0: Here on Mother Love, we celebrate moms, their bravery, wisdom, and strength, their endurance and wit, dedication, and sacrifice. We speak about the transformation in body, mind, and soul that is required on this sacred journey. We discuss what it takes to conceive, grow, birth, and welcome a baby into this big, wide, messy world. Mother Love is a safe space to witness each other in the darkest and brightest of moments. Mother Love is a place where you can let it all out and just be. A place to harvest your deep wisdom and spread hope to all the moms out there who still feel invisible. Welcome to Mother Love, where we love on mothers. We're so glad you're here. Sweet. Well, then here we go. All right. We'll say hello to our Mother Love listeners. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm really excited to be here with Jessica Peterson, who is a friend of mine and has been for a few years, but also is just a mama that I really admire and kind of have really have looked up to you um, in your ways and just your wisdom as a mom and as a woman. And so I'm really excited to have you on Mother Love. Jesse, is there anything that you'd like to add to the intro I just gave?
1: Uh, yeah. Wow, thank you for asking that. I um that's a good question. I yeah, I think I loved the I love the celebration of our friendship and I love what this podcast is about in terms of talking about motherhood. And I think for me as well, there's this other aspect of who I am as a nurturer or as a healer, like in almost a very similar way to being a mom. Uh, I started an apothecary and it really coincided with the giving birth to Alder in that I was seeking ways to be more of a healer for the earth. And I think that level of concentration that came from being pregnant, being really immersed in looking at how to be healthy as a pregnant person, um, how to best bring about health for mothers and for babies, which I was so focused on at the time, really brought me to how can I best do that once I give birth and what that brought me to was this concept of wanting to grow as much as possible so I would know what was in like every ingredient that went into my daughter's body on her body and in and on mine and and also how could I make a living while immersing her in those kind of like more pure ingredients, um, free of herbicides, pesticides, while also having time to do that. So not having it be a hobby, but have it be my work so Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't be stretched way too thin as a mom. And I could see myself with her in the garden, uh, teaching her about plants, about why it's important to grow, about like food sovereignty, um, local growing, local resilience and, um, and do that in a way that was also bringing me at least some portion of a livelihood. So, you know, I think to answer your question, like in relation to being a mom and also wanting to be um, a part of my community and someone that really supports my community and nurtures my community, I also started an apothecary. Um, And so my business, Wild Willow Wellness, is this membership apothecary. And through that, I am also mothering in the way that I want to because it's a part of how I earn my living. Um, And so it doesn't have to be like catching it on the fly here and there as a hobby. So that's a really important part of who I am since giving birth to my daughter. So thank you for asking that.
0: Yes. Wow. So incredible. And I just have to say really quick that I know many families locally who are benefiting from this hard work that you do. And I am one of the people who uses the beautiful potions and goodness that you make and my kiddos too. And I'm, I'm, we're all really grateful for that work that you do and how beautiful to find something where in my work, I hope always that I'm not just going through the motions. I, fi- I figured out a couple years ago that, um, that I was doing a lot of going through the motions every day. And I started to want to really desire a life that you're talking about where, things align with each other and overlap in a way that every moment of every day is meaningful and purposeful and it isn't compartmentalized into all of these work family mom you know cleaner all these different things but having more overlap so that it all feels meaningful so thank you so much for adding that and for sharing that it ha- it has been really interesting and it's just with the different stories that have come across mother love so far, this is episode number 16. So, you know, story number, I guess, 15, since we divided one of them up, but just so that the whole point of starting this um, kind of safe space for moms and couples to share their experiences was so that I just feel like as a mom, as soon as I started having real conversations with other moms, it was really helpful in terms of eliminating a lot of the um, sort of fantasy that I had bought into of what it would be like to be a mom and then had had that shattered like <laughs> early on and was like, oh no. So um, so yeah, and and when I thought about talking with you and what would be, what what are some things that in particular I think aren't things that are discussed one thing that came about is, you know, secondary infertility. And I know my mom is a, a counselor, and we had talked about that she's had some clients who just feel like no one really talks about, you know, having already had a baby, and then trying to have another baby and, and not being successful in that, um, or not, not, you know, Being able to conceive. And so I wanted to talk about that in particular, just because I think it is a very, I think it's A, not talked about very much. And then B, when it is brought up, people have this mindset of like, oh, well, you already have one. So, you know, you should be good to go and be grateful for that. And that's just something that can be so painful um, as a response. So, although I want to start with Alder, who is your. Baby, as I knew her baby, and now is eight. Is Alder eight? Yeah,
1: almost, yeah, almost eight. She'll be eight in A.
0: Yeah. Um, I kind of would like to go chronologically, but come circle back to that experience that you've had. Sure. Does that sound good? Yeah. It feels hard to bring it up and then leave it, but I promise we'll come back to it. Okay. Okay. So let's start with little Alder... I, I don't know if anyone out there listening has met Alder, but she is such a beautiful soul. I just love Alder to pieces. So tell us, Jesse, if you could, the story of you and Alder.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually a pretty, it was a pretty um like revelatory time period in my life right before alder came around my background has always been in like kind of human development communications how can how can we uh find reconciliation how can we understand one another that's been a theme you know since i was doing i did peer mediation in high school Studied counseling and psychology in undergrad, not because I knew that I wanted to be a counselor, but because I honestly didn't love study for the sake of studying anything. And I knew that I was super interested in human beings and why we do what we do. And so that actually just felt to me like the most natural Mm -hmm. thing that I would be like reading and interested in anyway. And that did turn out to be the case. And I did do some counseling classes as a part of my bachelor's degree. Then out of that, I went into, I did the Peace Corps for a few years. I was in Madagascar and then South Africa. There was a coup in Madagascar, so we were, we had to leave early. And that was a huge um, experience for me of being tossed around a bit, unexpectedly, uh, really investing in the community for about a year. And then just within two days mm. being just ripped out of that community.
0: That must have been tough.
1: Yeah. And and from there trying, you know, doing some travel on my own and then trying to be in South Africa. And I lasted there for about six months, but was really struggling with the transition of the type of program. That the South Africa program was in um, in relationship to the Madagascar program, it was much more prescriptive. It felt much more
0: mm-hmm. like
1: trying to put American values onto what at that time in South Africa was were these new NGOs um, coming out of apartheid that had got a lot of funding a lot of it from the US, a lot of it from other sources, but essentially that we were coming in as 20 somethings to um, tell these NGOs how to do things. Uh, And there was a lot of violence still going on in that country. Um, And I ended up after six months getting a job with someone who was in Washington DC and actually leaving and, and going and starting my career, which brought me to New York City shortly thereafter and put me into a fundraising. Arena. And I really love fundraising. I would love, again, it's the people part of it, it's the conversations, it's the understanding what's in people's hearts and helping them to uh, feel like they are, you know, even if they can't kind of always be volunteering every day, if they do have the resources to put in a little bit, um, that that just helps them to feel like they are a part of a community that's bringing about the world that they want to see. And from there, I was in New York City for about five years doing that, and ended up going then to study socioeconomics in the Netherlands to get an economic perspective that was outside of the US kind of ethnocentric economic perspective. I wanted to understand why people were poor when we have billions and billions of dollars. There's all these nonprofits. There's the Peace Corps. so, there's There's so much happening to help, and yet we still have all of these problems, and poverty was the big um the big question for me. So out of that developed uh, this perspective where really feeling like communities having local control, um not purely local control, but having a lot more local resilience and control. And by that, I mean, what I what I came to mean by that was having um, growing a lot more food, uh, making sure that our watershed is clean, that we have enough water, uh, making sure that our energy is more resilient, more diversified than just fossil fuels and you know absolutely that not being a renewable resource, tapping back into renewable resources and from there found out about permaculture. Uh, And so it was back in 2012, after having finished this graduate school program, six years prior to that, that I actually decided to do a permaculture certification course in um, actually up where you're from. It was in Dayton, Montana, Mm -hmm. uh, just west of um, Flathead Lake. Uh, And it had this beautiful view overlooking Flathead Lake. And I was really being transformed uh, in this course. It was about a month long course in permaculture design which permaculture design for people who don't know is a way of looking at ecological systems and the way that nature already does things and taking those patterns and taking those cycles that are naturally regenerative and applying them to the way that humans do things. And so that can be, you know, as farming related, it can be if you're a lawyer, you could apply those principles into your law firm. Um, you could apply it to how you run your family. Um, definitely That's how you
0: cool. I've never thought of it that way, like in other applications.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, and there's a whole wing of it called social permaculture design, which is very fascinating. Um and it's, yeah, it's kind of it's an offshoot of the 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 core permaculture principles. And I was also learning about regenerative landscapes and and I and I had started dating Alder's dad maybe four months prior, five months prior, and had signed up for this course, and I was gone for about a month. and he and I were actually we got along well, but it wasn't this like, Oh my God, this is the one kind of person. And I, I know, you know, I know that I was not that for him either. Um, and it was, but it was something where I was thinking to myself, you know, here's this really nice person. Um, I'm really interested in a lot of different stuff right now. And so I'm just going to kind of let this relationship be what it's going to be. There was no conflict. There was no, it wasn't boring necessarily. It just was, like that passion that I've had in some previous relationships, um, some of which had crashed and burned, <laughs> wasn't as strong there. But I, me being someone who I, who tries, who's interested in trying new things, I thought this is, this feels good in a lot of ways. And so that's fine. And I was, I was having this really transformational experience, including having Uh, meeting people that were really inspiring to me and um, having conversations now and again with Alder's dad on the phone who was um, uh, just not really connected with what I was doing. It was difficult for us to have conversations. If anybody listening who's been in one of these workshops where it's your total passion, it can be hard to like connect back with home. And, um, And so I was even contemplating that maybe we wouldn't stay together while we were, while I was there. And I decided to take this morning hike uh, before the sunrise up this hill that would overlook Flathead Lake. And I walked up to this top of this hill and got to the top and was looking, watching the sun rise uh, from the east. And I had this, it wasn't like per se a voice, but it was, it was something that very clearly said to me Andrew is the dad of your child and I don't know if I've ever told you this Claire No,
0: you haven't I'm getting chills that's so interesting
1: and I had not had that something that like that ever happened to me before I, I didn't grow up with religion I didn't um I certainly yeah um so yeah so
0: I it was listening this- to, what did you, let's pause, what <laughs> did you Think like, how did you respond and how could you tell that that was different than just like a thought that you had, like, how did it feel particularly different? I guess that's what I'm curious about.
1: It just felt so sure within my body mm-hmm. and it was this very clear, almost sentence mm-hmm. Andrew is the dad
0: yeah like you couldn't argue with it it was just like this is yeah yeah interesting
1: and yeah so I went I went home and I didn't tell him this Mm -hmm. you know that but (laughs) I I (laughs) and I but I, I just you know I just carried on and um it was within that was in May so June July it was august i was on the birth control pill and i found out i was pregnant Mm.
0: whoa yeah how was that
1: uh i was very excited yeah always been excited i think i think when i had that feeling inside me or that voice Uh i think i was very i thought to myself okay I'm ready for this. I'm 35. Yeah. And there's no reason why I wouldn't embrace. Yeah. And I think I got to myself too, like wonderful guy, amazing parents. Uh-huh. Like he's such a giver in community. You. Like I just, I thought I didn't have any problem with it, even if we weren't head over heels, madly in love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think the story of how Andrew feels about it is a, is for someone else to tell. I mean, yeah. how he felt about it. Right. He's an amazing dad, and yeah. um, he's totally excited to be a dad.
0: And yeah, he has a heart so, of for sure. Yeah. yeah. And um, can we talk about like what? So you obviously probably were kind of surprised since you had been on the birth control pill. Like, what, what were your initial conversations? With like your healthcare provider about like hmm, what happened here.
1: You know, I think I just immediately thought to myself a few times. I thought back to when we would have conceived,
0: uh-huh.
1: and I'm pretty self uh, like researching, and so I I looked back to think of my last missed period, and you know did the calculations yeah. and realized that um, that I. That it that me getting pregnant coincided with getting some duck eggs from some friends of Andrew's that made me quite sick on and off for like a couple of oh, weeks. And I didn't realize what was making me sick. Yeah. And so I think my pill was very low estrogen. And so mm-hmm. I think like just that little bit of a flux of maybe not all the medication getting into my bloodstream. Yeah. So that it wasn't working anymore that's so it's all i can that's think so
0: interesting yeah i mean that makes sense yeah yeah and so it all started with duck eggs really
1: it all started with duck eggs. <laughs> so we tell yeah we say to <laughs> her that, you know, that that's a special animal for her yeah
0: um, oh funny she always
1: misremembers it though and says it's a goose egg yeah <laughs>
0: so. but, you know close enough
1: yeah um <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that so so for me, the feeling of being pregnant was just one of joy and readiness. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of healthcare provider, we I immediately called, uh, tried to figure out a midwife mm-hmm. because I wanted to have a home birth. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going with a woman named Darla Torres out of Missoula and a couple of my good girlfriends here in town also worked with her. They were all pregnant. So I ended up being pregnant with some other women, which kind of speaking to your, um, what you are talking about with women connecting, that was really connective for us to all be pregnant at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then I took a birthing class that I highly recommend called the Bradley Method. Mm-hmm. And that was really empowering because it's all about women trusting their bodies. And so permaculture is a way of thinking that tells you to like trust your instincts, trust your body, like trust that you're a mammal within... And and having you find ways of being more connected with like ecological systems and like your instincts within that system. And the Bradley Method parenting class was a really amazing parallel to that because they were all about when you're pregnant, when you are in childbirth, like you know exactly what you're doing you are in control like your body knows exactly what to do and it will tell you what it needs and in terms of paying attention even to like what you're eating and what you can and can't have it was so empowering in terms of the that curriculum in um in making me feel powerful as a woman and
0: healthy i remember you sharing that with me um because I think when I met you, was I still pregnant with Kendall? Do you remember? I think I may. For sure. I mean, yeah, we, we, I knew you when you were pregnant with Kendall. Yeah. And I think I remember you sharing that with me and it was so, um, and I looked into it and it was so different. It has such a, I guess that whole line of thinking of like trusting your body and and taking kind of taking back power over your birth experience was so different, drastically different than what I had experienced my birth with Kyla, where I, it was almost like I didn't, I was very squeamish about finding out anything about birth or, you know, I was kind of like, eh, I don't really want to, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Like, as in when I'm giving birth, <laughs> um, And then the second time I was like, nope, I need more information. I need to really think about what I want. And I really need, and I, and so I started to, I remember I watched, I started to watch videos of women giving birth videos of women in labor and videos that kind of shed light on the issue between, you know, hospitals and the healthcare industry being a business and how that plays in. And, um, and just really starting to think more critically about what that would mean. And it, it did provide me with this, like (laughs) this stronger will when I went in to labor and, and there were, as I remember that experience, like there were so many naysayers, like from the moment that we, that I attempted to check into the hospital when I was in labor, like they're like, Oh, you're not really in labor. And like just so much, Sort of like resistance that I really had to rely on all of the examples leading up to that that I had seen to be like, nope. Like, even though everyone, because the people pleaser in me, you know, is always like, be the good patient. And even though everyone was telling me like things that didn't feel true to me, I just because I had watched other women stick to their guns and trust their own bodies and and themselves, it gave me the power to be like, if they did it, I can do it type of thinking. And, yeah. and that experience was really transformative for me, not only just in kind of redeeming how I had wanted birth to play out, um, but also just going forward and being like, well, I did that. And like, no one in charge or in power was real happy or approved of it, but I still like knew how I wanted it to go. And I stood up for that and it really changed. That really changed me. Um, yeah. So just, I'm, I just wanted to take a note on that because even just you sharing that with me was one of many women like encouraging me, you know, to trust my own path in that way.
1: So thank yeah. You. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. I remember reading like that book, everybody reads, hopefully fewer people are reading it now. I know <laughs> what my what to
0: it. expect. Yeah.
1: Yes. And I just, you know, I turned to the, the page that was like, or like the chapter that's like how to lose weight. Once right? And I just thought like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, who are you to tell women about losing weight after pregnancy? Like no. meanwhile, my midwife was telling me, stuff that I would never have known otherwise and now I've you know I've looked it up and it's like oh it's out there but you have to look for it which is that the fat on our bodies helps us to have energy for nursing and um yeah I mean it's just fat but is like Lord a knows. conversation That's very, yeah
0: yeah I'm, yeah
1: and I just so I yeah I looked to like Ina garden with spiritual midwifery did you end up finding that book so and that's just all amazing birthing stories you know it's mm-hmm. just it's she's a, a very famous midwife and actually I had when I was pregnant I was down at the origin of her work this place called the farm down in Tennessee mm-hmm. um, and I visited the midwifery center I was there doing a forest garden project uh, but it felt really cool to be I was like five months along and oh, okay. I picked up I picked up her book, like down in the books the, the bookstore there, and um, yeah, and it was so reading again, like what you're saying, to what you're saying, the like you watch these videos. Um, I did that. I read these stories, and it was a myriad amount um, and all these different ways of having children, and met you know most of them outside of a hospital. Mm-hmm. And, and it really helped with the fear too. I think like when you're wanting to have a home birth, there, there's a lot of people who will tell you that that's like a scary thing to do. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is it can be a scary thing to do if you don't have a hospital nearby whatsoever. And if you do, it's not scary at all because for the most part, if your birth is fast it's a healthy birth. If your birth is unfolding to not go so well, it happens very slowly. Oh,
0: that's a really interesting point.
1: And I'm sure there are like some exceptions, but that's generally the way it goes. And so what happened in my case was um, my birth ended up unfolding very slowly. Alder was maybe two and a half, three weeks late, which again, I, I read when, babies are born in like the 41st, 42nd week, their brain, they actually do better in school later. So, which is counter to this rushing feeling that you get as you're headed towards your due date where they want to induce.
0: Yeah. That's what happened with Kyla. I was yeah. ten, 10 days overdue and and it's, they it was starting to be like, you know, judgment around, if you don't let us induce you, then you're not being a good mom. And when you're, when you haven't, when this is your first baby, you're like, oh, I don't want to already be a bad mom before
1: I be. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, but we, so I ended up needing to have a cesarean, but it was after I was in labor for almost four days.
0: Oh my gosh. What?
1: And, you know, we're 10 minutes away from St. Pete's. Yeah. And in the end, my, it wasn't even like, I, again, I trusted my body and I, there was a certain point where my midwife even said, you know, maybe let's try a little bit longer. And I said, you know, I actually, I feel like it's time for yeah. me to go to the hospital. And it turned out that, so she had been doing all these tests and um, to, you know, check the heartbeats and, and, when I got to the hospital something had actually shifted where uh, the umbilical cord was getting uh, uh, oh gosh I can't think of what but essentially like folded a little bit so mm-hmm. that older wasn't getting the oxygen that she needed um as, but actually only if I was in a particular position oh interesting And it was, I mean, and actually I could tell that I shouldn't be in that position. So there were all these instincts that took over. And when I got to the hospital, um, they said I could labor longer. And I actually, I, I said, I think I need a cesarean. It wasn't an emergency cesarean, but they said, well, you're at a point where, okay, we'll do a cesarean. And when they did pull her out, it turned out that, um, not only was the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck, which we knew that was, that's pretty, that can happen a lot of times and it's fine, but it was also wrapped around one of her arms.
0: Oh man.
1: And that had happened sometime during the birthing process. And so that might've been why she wasn't descending, which is yeah. kind of like what was going on. Anyway, all, my body and my, you know, my instincts told me these things. Um, but I had a crew of people around me who were willing to listen and do whatever I said, you know, yeah. and I think when women find themselves in situations where their body's telling them one thing, right. but getting input that's from outside with people telling them what they should be doing, I think right. that's really confusing. And yeah. I, I know for so many women who come out of their birthing experience feeling like they didn't have a say, and that it didn't go the way they wanted. Um, And I would have loved to have had a home birth. But I also felt really good about trying. And that, and I felt good. And St. Pete's treated me like very well in that situation. I I felt really good about my time there. It's great. Um, So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's kind of a cool story too, because A lot of times, people talk about like home births gone wrong, and it's like a rushing to the hospital and the bleeding out, or whatever the issue may be. It's like, like something goes drastically wrong, and then you're like, you know, here we go. And yours is cool because it's like you were still really listening to your body. You were still, you know, doing things in a way that felt natural and and good to you. But that just so happens to end up to be a cesarean and so that's kind of like a unique story in that way where it still maybe didn't go the way that you had envisioned in terms of like all their being born at home and you being at home but it was still like you listening to your own instincts which is I think that's pretty cool and powerful and knowing you like it's it's um I would know that if you were saying I it's time like I need a cesarean that would be like whoa okay (laughs) because
1: you're not someone
0: to make like a quick decision on something like that you know
1: no it had been a long long time and and it was just feeling yeah I mean there was there's a lot more to that story but like even my, my midwife I mean at the end of the day like you know best what is needed for your body. I mean, there was something that happened that my midwife did that I feel like maybe led towards Mm -hmm. me not being able to have a a nap, you know, a a birth at home. And yeah, I mean, there's so much psychology involved with it. And it's really important to recognize that, you know, that you can, something just when anybody else is involved uh, you want to be really clear and grounded about what you want for your body and um, and really be in that mindful space of
0: yeah
1: attention to to what your body's telling you that it needs right
0: yeah yeah okay so alders born how was healing from the cesarean for you
1: fine I'm a redhead so I'm very pain tolerant (laughs) yeah Um, yeah so the so it was it was fine I mean we I we have a lot of parent support we had parents come and really help um in the first couple of months and um I healed up I healed up quite quickly like I remember I didn't use the pain meds they sent me home with um I worked I worked and work as a, you know, an independent uh, contractor or business owner. And so I didn't have paid leave per se, but I also like didn't have to go back to work um, before I was ready. Mm -hmm. And I was able to pretty seamlessly have Alder be with me like to wear her whenever i had meetings um i did go and we did the whole design process on the six word garden park about we did that in july and i had alder may 15th
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and my parents came out for that and uh we have there's memories of just you know she was doing she was on a nap cycle of essentially how did it go? She, I mean, she was feeding on demand, and my dad and stepmom are really on top of that stuff. I mean, really, my stepmom, and so like she would nap, and then she'd wake up, and they would rush her over to yeah. Helena College to nurse. And sometimes it would be like a little bit late, and we'd we'd hear this like wail <laughs> of a crying baby, like headed towards the building to Oh home. no!
0: Yeah, um, that's me. That's yep. that's
1: you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, yeah, I mean, I just, I feel like I had a lot of support. It was great to have the other moms who had had their babies at that time. All three of, there were three other moms and they all had successful home births. Um, And uh, yeah, and we all had girls. And so there, yeah, so there was a lot of like community and camaraderie um, during that time period. And there was a lot of sharing and there was even... Um, a couple of the moms and I even nursed each other's babies. A couple oh, wow. It was needed because all of us were like very active. Well, we're all of us are activists in certain ways, or one is a, um, a uh, designer, a graphic designer. And so at various points, kind of within a one and a half year period, we were in situations where that just came up for us. And we had talked about it and, so it didn't happen very often, but it did happen. And that was interesting. It definitely doesn't, I, the whole wet nurse thing, I'm like, huh, it feels it feels really different to nurse.
0: I was going to ask. Baby
1: that's not yours. Yeah. When you're nursing your own baby.
0: Yeah.
1: It's almost like this feeling of like, this isn't, I don't know. It's the, I, I wondered if it was almost this primal, yeah. stuff, like, I'd be feeding my own baby. Uh-huh. It was really interesting. Again, that was like a whole nother psychological.
0: And how did it feel for you when you knew that Alder had been fed by one of them? Like, was it a I similar really thing? It was easier to kind of understand that at a primal level than it was the sensation of you feeding someone else's baby.
1: Good question. Yeah, I, it, that was totally, I didn't struggle with that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the situation was I was giving an interview for like a TV program and Alder was started doing the screaming thing and my friend who happened to be there just put her boob in her mouth and it worked
0: could you could you see like no
1: she told me about it later I didn't know why she had yeah I couldn't see Alder
0: yeah yeah um, that reminds me of one of like the favorite my favorite videos of 2020 which I was just thinking about before this actually and I think you were the one who posted it but it was the 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 time where the guy is being interviewed on like some major news and his daughter comes into the room and it's this moment this awkward moment of like oh no like this is a really professional interview and now there's a little like little one in the room and the mom comes in just looking horrified and gets the baby out. And then someone posted like a, you know, a spin-off of that of if it were a woman being interviewed. And she's like making dinner and breastfeeding her baby and doing all these things and having a really intelligent conversation at the same time. Like I just was thinking, yep, that's kind of how it goes sometimes. Like women are masterful multitaskers, especially in the beginning. Um, Yeah. But yeah. that was a tangent, sorry, but I love that video so much. But <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I did not post it, I'll have to look for it.
0: It's oh man, I'll send it to you. It's good, okay. maybe I'll post it in the link on, on the show notes too. Oh, I wanted to have you repeat the name of um the book.
1: Yeah, um, so there's Ina Garden Spiritual Midwifery, okay, and I'll then she's that. she wrote other books as well. She's just she's she passed away, it's been a while now. Um, cool, and then. There was another book I wanted to share this, there's an author named Aviva Ram um, and her, and I think it's called, let me just look it up really quick. Um, We just gave this book to, I I give it to actually almost any friend of mine who I haven't already given it to uh, in terms of like giving them a great book about nutrition and health needs when, um, when you have a new baby and actually it's, it's one of the reasons I'm sure that I started my apothecary was reading all this stuff early on and and starting to make, um, these products for Alder because it's a lot of recipes in here. So it's called naturally healthy babies and children.
0: Cool. I'll put both of those in our show notes for any listeners who might want to look them up.
1: Yeah. And then another one that we just sent to a friend is, um, you know, the nourishing traditions book. That's kind of a famous.
0: I don't actually,
1: it's really an amazing book. It's, it's one of these ones um, that's been on people's shelves for 60 years. And, And so the nourishing traditions for like, taking care of baby I, I don't remember but it's it's a baby oriented one cool. but it's that it. nourishing traditions um uh like series and that's that's also quite good
0: uh Sweet. cool yeah. I'll post those so that folks can have some resources because that was one thing that I wanted to ask you about you know I just feel like you are such a wealth and collection of like wisdom that I oftentimes have been like, I should ask Jesse about that. I bet she would have some good ideas to share. Um, So, okay, so we're going to fast forward. Alder's eight. And um, at one point in between Alder's birth and now, you and Andrew did decide to not stay in relationship as a couple. And so Houses... You went from one house to two house, two houses, and I do want to talk about that briefly too, um, not just to skim over it because I so admire Jesse the way that you notified your community of people that that was what you had decided to do. Was I? I just thought that was so cool and so proactive to let people know so that you weren't constantly caught off guard by people asking you what was going on or people wondering or having to make guesses or assumptions on their own. And just for the health, for the health of you, Andrew and Alder, to just have that in place. Can you talk a little bit about like where that idea came from and how you decided to go about that sort of announcement?
1: Yeah, I think that comes from me being very much a person that does not like things sprung upon me at the last minute, like, and, and just thinking about the stru- the unnecessary stress that is caused by people being in a situation where they don't know what exactly is going on. So I think as much as possible in a lot of my endeavors, I, I, try to anticipate and communicate in a way where people will feel like they're clear about the environment that they're entering into. And so with just thinking about moving to being co-parents instead of living together as a romantic partnership, I thought to myself, I had done a lot of reading about what determines better or worse outcomes for both children and adults with with a divorce or a separation. There's so much research now. I mean, 50 years ago, there wasn't, but now there's just a lot of information. And so a part of that was that children do a lot better when their community stays somewhat like similar, like if they're not kind of torn out of um, one community to, to join another, or also that they aren't made to feel like it's not okay for them to like being at either parent's house or to feel like sides need to be chosen and so I wanted to get ahead of what I think is a more conventional way of thinking, which is to like two sides or, and some of that happens anyway. Um, and, you know, that's just kind of how humans are. But, I, and, but I think people can choose like who they want to spend time with, like who they're more likely to invite over for dinner without there being anything more negative about it. Like, um, of course, we're drawn to sometimes one more, one person within a couple more than others over the years. And so what I wanted to do with sending out that message to like all of our people was just give them a sense of like what Andrew and I were going for and that we were both okay, that we weren't um, in a situation where one person felt betrayed. We, it was, Yeah, that we really looked forward to like in and I don't remember exactly what I wrote in the note or in the letter, but just that we I think I would have said that we were looking forward to like engaging with our community and being in relationship like in this new way, Mm -hmm. Um, that we would still be at the same events and we would still um, be friends ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, And I think that just helps people to f- I, my intention with that was what I had have already said, and then I just think that that hopefully helped people to not feel all of the confusion that we can feel related to people breaking up, you know yeah.
0: well, and I think that sometimes it's tempting to assume that there needs to be a lot of drama involved when something like this happens. And so for me receiving that, I was like, oh, this is so cool that like, that we know, that I know when I see Andrew or Jesse next, that like, that I don't have to feign sympathy or anger or, you know, in order to try to meet you where you are, like play a guessing game of what emotions I should bring with me in that moment. Cause that can feel, you know, that can be kind of like a a hot pressure moment where you're like, oh gosh, like, I know this thing has happened, but I don't know if they want to talk about it. I don't know how they want to talk about it. I don't know how they're feeling. And that was just like this permission of like, no, we're good. So if like, if you would like to talk to us about it, awesome. We welcome any communication or questions you might have. And I just, it was so different than any experience I had ever had about, a couple with children separating that, you know, like my own parents was very like, couldn't have been more <laughs> different and volatile and and, and choosy side Z and all of that stuff. And so it, I just really appreciated and continue to appreciate how the two of you work together in a really healthy co-parenting way from what I've seen and experienced.
1: Yeah.
0: And you yeah. can tell feel Alder feels at ease in that as well which is so great
1: yeah to the point where it was in the past week I was just telling Andrew about this that she said she she said um we were we were talking about the the fact that her dad hasn't chosen a new partner he's not in a new relationship and um and she said well it's probably because he still loves you so much he's not (laughs) you know and I said well (laughs) that's (laughs) you know, it was so touching that she would think that, that, that we've done such a good job of getting along Yeah, that she would never even suspect that her dad is not pining away from me, you know, and of course he's not, he's, yeah. you know, and I did, I said to her, you know, that's not the reason I said, it's, I said, you know, I think your dad and I, we love each other as your parents. Right. I said, but your dad is quite comfortable with the fact that I have a partner and he's very comfortable to not have a partner and he may not have a partner, um, that may not be his path. And and it will be because he loves me so much that he can't, right. He was someone else. So, yeah. you know. so, but it was, it, to me, it was just, again, that touching piece of, um, that she feels that love. that she, yeah. she feels that that love is there.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so then another kind of just going down the following this chronological path that we're on. So I, another thing that I really appreciated um, about the way that you chose to proceed is when you did meet your current partner and fiance,
1: um,
0: Adam. I remember you telling me that you guys kept that very private in the beginning until you were ready to start like um, feeling like, okay, we're both feeling really good about this to the point where we're ready to start sharing it with others. And I like that is my goal. <laughs> you know, I just think that that's such a noble way of going about it, Jesse. And, and if you could please talk a little bit about why, how that came about and how maybe how you briefly how you guys met and how that kind of unfolded and how you decided to be really intentional in that way.
1: Yeah, sure. So we met, we met actually, you know, when I had just had an alder, Adam had come to be at the Archie Bray to be a resident uh, with his wife at the time and their two children. And so I have this memory of um, walking by his artwork, and seeing the artwork and then seeing him and just like registering a face mm-hmm. in that moment associated with the work. And it's funny now because like the way that he sort of seemed with his little glasses and like very, he, I joke about it and he does too, which yeah. is like, he seemed very um, sort of stern and serious and he is like such a silly ridiculous funny person but I mean and so that was my perspective and then he has a memory of us like later that night talking by a fire for a little while but I had just had Alder like I was wearing her and I was I since having Alder I mean again like I was completely ready to have a child and I was completely into mothering and I I was so into mothering that even that Andrew and I not having any really romantic connection like didn't bother me at all because I was so tuned in to Alder yeah um so I barely remember that but I do I have the vision that I just kind of said and then he has this memory of talking to me for a few minutes at the fire and like seeing Andrew and me so fast forward gosh five or six years five years anyway I'm not sure exactly but um He and i have been together now about three and a half years and alder's almost eight so yeah about four years later so we we have a a friend a mutual friend he's a a best friend of his who was also a resident at the time um and she was a nanny for alder she's israeli and alder has some jewish heritage and so um our friend zimmer did um hebrew immersion nannying with alder and it it was wonderful and then zimmer went away and she came back for a visit and she got a massage from me and we were just talking um, and I had been dating a little bit here and there. And, um, and she, we were talking about that. And then she said, Oh my God, you <laughs> have to be with Adam. <laughs> and, um, and I remembered her talking well of him. And, and I, I said, you know, I'm not, it's not a big deal to me to like have a date. I said, but In the past year, his name did come up because he makes fermentation vessels and I had wanted a local fermentation vessel maker. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I I had wanted to ask him to see if he would trade massage for for fermentation vessels, but I never really got up the nerve to just like cold call and ask. Yeah. So I said, you know, I would, I don't know if he would be interested in that, but maybe you could just see because I would be interested in getting a couple of his angi jars. And so later that afternoon, she was like, okay, come over now to his, you know, he's here, like come meet him. And, um, and so I went over there and we just, we made an arrangement for a couple of these jars for a few massages. And I didn't know if she had like said anything to him about me and I think vice versa. And so we just had this meeting and he was very nice and, um, I met his children at that point, or I think it's just his son actually. And and then over a couple of months with that, he ended we ended up like having a date and it just took off from there. Um I always had I had this feeling about him like right away. And in fact I had been a little bit taken up with a friend of mine who was much, 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 much younger, a really, really amazing guy. And we were spending time together, but it also felt a little bit like fraught and kind of almost almost like those relationships you had in like middle school and high school where they're like this is not really this is too angsty and and as soon as I had my date with Adam I just like came home from it and I was like this is absolutely something to pursue and like ixnay on that whole thing not in a way of not being friendly no, but just the but contrast was feeling like, of ambiguity yeah, yeah. Um, which we had never acted on, but it was like, it was just one of those things when you don't have anyone. And so you're like, yeah, yeah. that be this thing. And anyway, but it was very clear that Adam was um, a great beginning point. Um, and I think in terms of sharing that with Alder or him sharing that with his kids, because we did like on again, off again schedules, we were able to keep things where we just spent some time together for a few months without it being something that the kids knew about or needed to know about. And there did just come a point, and so, and he never slept over when the kids were there and vice versa, that was something I can't even remember now, but I know that was something that we didn't do for a very, very, very long time. Um, and I mean, possibly even a year. Mm -hmm. So, and that seemed to like introducing each other as like a friend, um, maybe four months in, and having little outings, um, maybe sharing a meal was how we approached all that without also being like physical right away. And so we, we almost let the kids kind of have, start to have a relationship with us that like unfolded where it was more natural to them over right. a certain time period to have us then have our arms around each other or have us like be silly and give each other a kiss. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so, and that, that did go well. I think, you know, the other piece of that is that Adam was not a divorce on paper. He was absolutely moved out, had his own home. His former partner had her own home. They were like, that was all in process. But I think that also felt a little bit to me of, of like, let's wait till this is
0: all. Like wanting to honor that that Mm -hmm. wasn't quite wrapped up. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: And, yeah, and so and it still has been really challenging to blend our families. Um especially his son really struggled with it when we moved in together. Mm. Um which coincided just I think with his son's age and mm. some other factors, but it was just kind of a context that created a bit of an explosion um that we're now in a really much better place and and everything is is healing. And in fact, I got my first phone call from his son yesterday in a year Yeah, um, to just ask me something silly, but it was like, that was a big deal. You know, I didn't even have his number programmed in my phone anymore, um, because he had changed it. And I mean, not related to us, but just in the course of a year had had some new developments. And so, and so the blended family situation with Adam's daughter and Alder has been amazing as well, but it's also been with really conscious, intentional ways of doing things, including, you know, I said to Adam before we even moved in, I said, we are going to get a family counselor and we're going to meet with this counselor weekly until we don't need to anymore. Um, And so for a few months, we met with Alder, Hannah, Adam, and I with this counselor as we transitioned in. And there was a lot of volatility and a lot of um, stuff that had to be uh, worked out I mean especially not everybody but you know certain dynamics within the family needed to be yeah
0: that's of. huge
1: and so that and, and now we are not doing the counseling anymore unless little kind of mm-hmm. piecemeal things here and there when it seems like maybe we need to have, have someone help us with a conversation um but our gosh we've had a really even despite COVID and our family um of four that is slowly including Juno. in again, um, we've had a really wonderful 2020 in terms of connecting and spending more time together. And uh, so I think that intentionality and thinking ahead on that. And again, I'm Adam teases me because I'm a huge planner. He's like way kind of off the cuff, but he's really, I think the important thing is that people are willing to like go your way. Like, I think if Adam was like, oh no, we'll only do off the cuff. Yeah. It will only be on the fly because that's what I want. But he's really willing to like, see that my way really works well for family yeah. and making sure that kids feel stable and safe. And so he's like fully on board. You know, he'll he, I read him all the books and, you know, and we talk about it and stuff. and And so that's been really good. I think it would be much more challenging if I had a partner and I don't think we'd be together, actually, if right. he um if he weren't if he wasn't so willing to like believe in my methods. And, yeah, um,
0: that's, that's such a beautiful thing. I've often wondered because I, I one of the questions that I wrote down that I wanted to ask you about um, is just your not only your intentionality, Jesse, but your ability to uphold boundaries for yourself. Like, is that something that is my number one struggle? in life (laughs) and i'm really doing a lot of work around it right now finally um because i'm realizing how destructive that's been in my own life and especially as a parent but it's one of those gaps that wasn't modeled to me unfortunately as a kiddo and so i've wondered like is that something that in your family you was demonstrated and you saw like your mom had boundaries and and that helped her take care of herself or your dad you know your dad was willing to really value the direction that your mom felt you needed to go or was that something that you just gleaned off of your the all the experience use experiences you mentioned like beginning with like college years up until older years began like what do you think? That's such a <laughs> Yeah, I mean really
1: that's probably a way longer <laughs> conversation because there's I feel like so much has led to me exploring and holding my boundaries. Um, and I think I've definitely been in a situ in many situations and many times in my life where I like didn't have boundaries that felt that I protected myself enough or like wasn't you know didn't um didn't uh like pay attention to what right red flags i was experiencing or kind of didn't trust myself enough and again i think that transformation really it was probably happening all the time but i i think of it as being really starting like relating to that moment up on that hill and overlooking that sunrise on flathead lake and hearing the voice and like going through the pregnancy and like also being really real about my relationship with Andrew versus like what I felt about Alder um, and understanding kind of what, yeah, just like the sacrifices and for what actually feels right. And um, it's through a lot of trial and error. And I still, you know, I mean, I can think of instances where I like still have gotten it wrong, like very clearly. but what i'm not afraid to do anymore is like say hey i did this thing like i told you i would do this thing and i was i was feeling on the spot and sometimes i'm a people pleaser and i i'm not going to do that thing that i told you i would do last week because i didn't i didn't say that i would do it in the like a set of circumstances that feel comfortable to me and i'm telling you this now and it goes against that kind of concept of like the handshake and you're done. But I think especially women, but a lot of people, they'll find themselves in a situation where they where they will agree to something, um, and you know I, without getting too into the situation, it was it was where you know there's five or six people and you're feeling pressure. And I'm a rescuer too, like I I try to heal, I try to. So, and I realized that what I had said that I would do was going to take too much out of me and take away from my family. And, um, and so I've had people even be angry with me. Um, And so being more comfortable with that, being comfortable with um, knowing that uh, you can actually, you know, you know, I, I'm, for me, meeting commitments is really important, Mm -hmm um but that sometimes you can agree to someone and I agree to something and I don't think it's the same thing as a commitment when it's made in a particular situation and so recognizing that and being willing to say being being willing to like check in with yourself and say you know I'm not going to do this just because I said
0: I would in that situation well and also realizing that you when you did make that you know agreement to whatever it is and then you look at how that's going to take away from the things you're actually committed to that right. i do feel like you want to spend time and energy on then it's it makes it a clearer decision to say like eh, this is really going to detract from the things i'm really committed to and i really care about so i do need to reassess and you know make sure that that is clear i remember since that is such a big conversation about like, where did you learn boundaries? (laughs) We'll distill it down to parenting and boundaries. Because I remember one time I was at your house for dinner and um, I can't remember what happened but Alder had said something about something. And you said, and this is kind of similar to what you just said that you had, you go, oh, Alder, you know what? We're actually not gonna be able to do that anymore. And I know that that might cause some disappointment but we can work with the disappointment. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, <laughs> like I cannot believe I just watched that happen because I and I started to use that like that night. Like I, I because I just was like, whoa, how how can we give our kiddos the permission to like both feel disappointed? and know that just because you're disappointed, we're not gonna do this thing. Like you're not, we're not gonna get this thing because it's not the best thing for right now. And I, I just remember, and I've heard you say too like, oh, I'm not gonna make two dinners cause that's too much work for me. And like things like that to where I'd just be like, yeah, who else wants a different dinner? You know, just because I never have learned that and, it's, and it makes it so hard. And so I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, about that and like about how as alder grows and as things become different in terms of requests and levels of disappointment and you know with the new blended family like how how does that go
1: yeah um it's that's actually recently one of the things we she and i went to our own individual counseling session about because i think for her she has been my absolute number one and she still is my number one and she always will be. But I think it's difficult for her sometimes to share the attention, especially that the attention I give to Adam.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so we have like right now, what we're doing is Mondays. I just, even when she's at Andrews, I take her. Um, in fact, particularly when she's at Andrews, because then Hannah's not with us. So every other Monday, when she would normally be at her dad's and when Hannah's at her mom's, then I take her for the day and help her with her schoolwork. And then we go swimming. We, you know, we just hang out because what she's really needing is some one-on-one time. Yeah. But then what I also, you know, then, but then sometimes she also will say like, Hey, stop hugging Adam and hug me. And then I'm also, I also am careful to say to her that, you know, I'm going to hug you and I'm going to hug Adam. I love both of you. And, you know, I know that's not easy all the time to see that, but there's all these benefits from having a big family where it's not just the two of us, where we're having all this fun and we have all this support and, you know, that's, and I, you know, we have discussions about love and like how love is, is, um, completely, um, infinite. You know, we, we, there's no limit to how much love we can have in our hearts and who we can give it to. Mm-hmm. Um, of course we have different like types of love.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, yeah, so we have those conversations as well. Um, so I think it's just about trying to be conscious and I just try to go to like, how would I want mm-hmm. someone to express boundaries? I really like to know where people are coming from, even if it's difficult. I had this woman at I'm in a new massage studio now and one of the residents like I went in to do laundry and she just like started yelling um about laundry stuff and I you know right away I realized you know it doesn't have to do with me I've only just moved in here so there's been some history around around laundry <laughs> and she kept she was yelling and kind of like swearing and stuff and um I almost like I don't want to go so far as to say, enjoy it, but I go into like a curiosity mode Yeah. where I did put up a boundary of like, this isn't about me immediately, like emotionally. Yeah. And then I was able to just listen to her and she was yelling, but then being like, Oh, I'm sorry. And I said, you do not have to apologize. Like you are saying exactly where you're coming from and Mm -hmm. like how angry you are about the laundry. And you know, that's, I'm happy to hear that. I said, we don't, Uh, there's not enough forums for women to express their anger and like oh you're so (laughs) girl (laughs) and um and she was it was she was kind of like it was she was like because I said oh and I, I said I do some mediation stuff and anyway, I said, I'm totally, I am happy to hear people's perspectives. And she was kind of like, well, mediation, blah, blah, blah. But then she just let it, she got it out, got it out. And then I got an email from her like three days later about something totally different, but like really nice and like, Hey, and I, it was a little bit of, I think an olive branch, but also just letting, I love to know where people are coming from. That helps me to be better to them. Right. Um, because I, otherwise it's emotional labor on my part to have to guess. Yeah. I'm always grateful when someone's like, I don't like you putting your boots there. Put them over there. Like, great. Tell me. I don't want to like be checking your face and your body language. I mean, that's, I will do that, but it's like, that's work.
0: Right. Much better to have to be told. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's so good. Okay. And then I know that we're getting to this being a lot of time now. So I do want to um, wrap up with, you know, you sharing your experience about, you and Adam deciding that you wanted to try to have a baby between the two of you. And I know that that was not the easiest thing. So if you could share a little bit about what that.
1: Yeah. What do
0: you feel like sharing?
1: Yeah. So I like, I always wanted to have another, a sibling for Alder. And I also love having kids. I've really enjoyed being a mom. So um, that was something that I had a with Andrew and that he was not open to. Um, and so I, you know, it wasn't a strong enough driving me where I was like going to meet someone right away after Andrew and I co-parented, but when I did meet this love of my life feeling person, um, you know, we were almost 40. And so maybe in fact I was 40, but I, I, you know, at that point, I think I felt like I could, we weren't going to talk about it for another year or so. So like around 41, Mm -hmm. we had that discussion and decided to start trying. Um, and I did get pregnant like pretty soon after that, like maybe four months after that. And, but then miscarried pretty quick and had went through all the stuff of like, Did I, you know, should I have not had that chicory coffee, you know, coffee substitute, like all the things. Um, And yeah, and maybe I should have, could have been supplementing progesterone. I mean, there's, I think what I've come to now that I'm 44 is there are just so many factors at play. And I think I am fairly healthy and fairly like, you know, not, you know, we don't have plastic stuff around. So I've kind of done all the things. Um, and it really is in my mind now, like just that I kind of aged out on eggs and, and we're not actually totally done at this point. Like we're still through my 44th year. We're trying naturally. We did try in vitro, um, in October and that was just it was an, it was exciting. And then it was disappointing and it's a lot of, um, pharmaceuticals and it just, I, for me, I just didn't feel like trying again and again and again, given the, um, metrics on women at 44, having success with in vitro with their own eggs. It's just not, the chances are not high and you spend a lot of money. And then, it wasn't even so much, I mean, it is the money, like like it would be difficult for us to afford cycle after cycle after cycle, but it was even just more like, I just don't want to deal with that kind of stress under circumstances where it's likely not even going to happen. I like to have better odds, I guess. Yeah. Is, and so we decided to go with um, trying naturally, and then we're looking at the idea of donor eggs which, oh, um,
0: I didn't even know that was a thing.
1: Oh my gosh. It's a thing. And they actually for, for $40,000, you are guaranteed a baby or your money back. Whoa. And you can be 45, 46, 47. I mean, they have to check out some things like with your uterus to make sure you're eligible for the program, but like 96% of people are eligible. Um, and you you go through six rounds with donor eggs or one or two or three but essentially the, the idea of it is it's really about the egg the age of the eggs and so you get eggs that are from 25 year olds from 20 year olds and the uterus can carry children up through the 60s um and so it's really about the age of the eggs and the health of the eggs um that's
0: so interesting I didn't know that
1: yeah and so we'll explore that when i'm forty five. And cool. so right now we're just um, yeah, being really healthy, and you know we're trying, you know every time i'm I may be ovulating, we're like going for it. and it's, you know, it it's it feels okay. I mean, I think I like knowing that there's options. Um, I think I'm still not sure if I will do the donor eggs when I'm forty five, but I like knowing that I can yeah think of that as an option Um, and again having a partner that like is really willing to um he really lets me take the lead in some areas I mean we he definitely has to agree and he definitely has to like but I feel like we've had these conversations over the years where um about supporting one another through things that like that we, you know, that maybe for him, he's not like, it's not as like, so, so important to have a baby because he has two and they're a little older. And, um, and I think it's been, so we've had a lot of conversations about what do we, like as a couple, what is it, how do we regenerate like being a couple that's like interested in one another? And I think one of the core tenants of that is that you help the other partner achieve their goals in addition to having shared goals you know so um there have been projects that where I've helped him like raise money for things that he needs for his business or um there's a lot of I'm really I love doing like financial everything so like I really kind of take on a lot of that stuff for him um and I think when we had that conversation, it was right at the time where I had worked on something pretty big for him. And then I was like, so, you know, I think that you're supporting me, even if like, in, you know, and this, at the time I was just talking about in vitro, which we had sort of said we would never do. And he's like, well, you said you'd never do it. And so here's another situation with the boundaries thing where I said, well, I did say that. And I don't, that way anymore I don't feel like I never want to try in vitro I feel like I do want to try in vitro and so I have changed my mind mm-hmm. um
0: and which we're allowed to do we are. are really good things <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah um I have a really dear friend who who says she's been with her husband since they were 16 and they're almost 40 now and she's like I really wish we could do like the Facebook thing where you like can check different boxes for preferences like whenever you want to and like because she's like you come into a relationship with this certain like set of of behaviors and things that you like and don't like and she's like and of course over 25 years that's not going to stay the same no and she's like I want to check some different preference box now than I did at 16 totally um, and so, yeah. So I think, yeah, we do shift. And but we were able to have that good conversation because there is a lot of mutual support. And I think he, he was able to talk himself out of some of like the fears mm-hmm. around like what is this even about. And even to the point now where he's not just like shutting me down on donor eggs. I I, I have a sense that he's again he would he would be okay with with either way. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent sure that he's like gung ho about, about donor eggs, but he's been so willing to, um, to talk about it with me. And I think if we, I think he will, will be willing to do it if that's something that is really important to me Yeah, when I turn 45. So it's, um, and it's definitely been an emotional roller coaster. Um, I, I have felt very grateful to be grounded and have like other interests to have a daughter. Um, I do think I do have a daughter and that feels really important to me. I I think I would feel much more sad if I didn't have a daughter at all, but I have a daughter and she's, and she's amazing Mm -hmm. and I'm really lucky. And I have two step kids who are really cool kids and really smart. And, um, so I feel like I have a lot to be grateful for. And I think kind of not to discount, I I heard what you said about like I don't think anyone else should be able to say to me, Well, you have another kid, so don't worry about it. So mm-hmm. and I do feel like I'm lucky because I did get to have one child and right. um and so if if we do have another one then that's that'll be a beautiful thing. Um and you know, if for whatever reason it's not able to happen, I think I can, I think I can be content with.
0: Which would be harder if you didn't have Alder because of your strong desire to be a mother. Yeah.
1: I think so I think, I think that felt very much like something I, I needed and wanted to to do in my life, mm-hmm. even more so than have a partner. I always felt more comfortable at having a child than, than committing to a partner.
0: Yeah yeah i mean we we all feel the way we feel and just because it's not like the norm you know air quotes around that um doesn't mean that that isn't what's really true for us and and like the desire of our hearts so um okay well golly i feel like we covered a lot of ground and i'm so appreciative of your time and just of your consideration and and all of that you shared.
1: Well, thank you. I this has been amazing to to just talk with you. We mm-hmm. haven't been able to see each other or connect. I'm looking yeah. forward to those times. Yeah. Back as we evolve as moms and adults. And um yeah, I to be able to speak to this stuff is really important for me. And I definitely am um always looking for just any, any person's stories. I just think the more we share Mm -hmm. our stories, um, it just helps us to not just buy into the stories we're fed on the media. And it brings
0: humanity back in. Yeah. Like what's
1: really going on
0: happening and what's really, what's really our experience versus what's being fed to us you know so
1: right yeah. right like what does someone think when they're not trying to sell me something
0: totally <laughs> yes so. it's, a, it's a big difference usually yeah. yeah okay well I have so much love and admiration for you and I just I'm really grateful to know you and you've been a you've been a huge influence in my life even though we haven't had a ton of like personal interactions just the way that you live really means a lot to me
1: thank you
0: that means a lot to hear that and i love you too yay okay i'll hopefully see you in person soon yeah okay okay Bye. bye hello listeners thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed this episode and if you do like what we're doing on mother love please take a moment to rate review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer